We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Happy 2019, everybody. Welcome back to the Taylor Price Talk Podcast, Season 2, Episode, I think, 11. That's bad logistics on my part. I don't, I don't know. We're, we're having another episode. This is a time capsule episode. I say it's a time capsule because if you didn't watch any football this year, which is, chances are if you're listening to this, you watch a lot of football, but if you didn't pay attention at all, you can just trust that this podcast will tell you everything you need to know about the season that we just had, and we'll, we'll turn the page forward. We'll look at 2019, the season that is getting everyone excited again. And to do that, we're going to bring back a good friend, Kevin Jones, the the uh, the CEO, the czar of Blue Wire Pods, BlueWirePods.com. Check them out. Uh, KJ, welcome. Thank you for making the time. This is this is great. One of my best friends in San Francisco, Taylor. We've become boys throughout the last couple of years, talking ball, talking media. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pumped. We did the award show last year. I was on your pod all the time last year. Yeah. And, I appreciate you shouting out Blue Wire. It's been awesome to just put a team together because I worked at the Browns. I worked at KMBR. I've I've worked for for those things. And I think I can start something that's that's going to become legit. So let's see. Let's see what that becomes. Let's also talk Niners. It was a disappointing season with some highs. And it'll be fun to kind of navigate through the storylines you have for us. Yeah, well, okay. Here's the thought for today. And we're going to talk about... The headlines, the stories that we, you and I both think are, you know, what really essentially make up the year. So we're not going to dive into the, the bullshit or some of the, like the minutia, but we'll, uh, at a high level, you know, as they say, at a high level, we'll touch on the themes of the year. <laughs> we'll get some analysis and we'll move this thing forward because there's a lot of cool stuff happening uh, in the football world in these early months uh, that the Niners aren't participating in the playoffs, but they're going to be key players in this offseason. So uh, let's let's dive in. Let's talk about the headlines 
that define the year. And I'm going to start off with just the news of the day and news of the week. And it's a shame because this is the, the way the season went. It was so bad that the day after the season is probably one of your best positive stories. And that's Antonio Brown's bizarre, awkward flirtation, courtship, whatever you want to call it, with the 49ers. Came out of nowhere. All of a sudden you see George Kittle... Uh, doing the sup tweet, and then Antonio Brown responds, and then he's Instagram story posts about Jerry Rice, and there's this whole so on and so forth, uh, you know, f- a flooding effect of all these things happening. It's really cool, but it's really random at the same time. Like, of all the teams, why the Niners? Uh, Kyle Shannon, Jimmy Garoppolo, things look positive, and maybe it's just a change of scenery. Wants to get out of the AFC, wants to make a move. Now that you've had more time, Kevin, to digest all this, what, what are your thoughts on this just out-of-nowhere story that is getting everyone's hopes up but probably won't happen. I like coming on your podcast later in the week because I can think about what's actually going on here. Antonio Brown wants attention and he wants to be loved. And at the Steelers, he's not feeling that. Mike Tomlin's against him. Big Ben's a little bit against him. He wants to go to the team where he can be the man and be spunky and not be a problem. And in Pittsburgh, it's now a problem because they're missing the playoffs. They're not beating the Patriots. And, he, and he's acting up to try and, and get out of there, essentially. He wants it to happen. I don't know what Drew Rosenhaus is thinking here, but he's got his client handcuffed to the Steelers. They want to get rid of him. He wants out. It's just going to be a dumb move for them to get one, rid of one of the best receivers and, and have that big of a salary cap hit. So there's a lot at play. Clearly, the 49ers are talking about this in their building. I would say clearly the Steelers are, are trying to think of a way to get this guy off the team. If it happens, I'm totally in favor of it. If it doesn't happen, you know, it kind of sucks because you need this player. Kendrick Bourne cannot lead you in receiving. Antonio Brown, it's worth the risk to me. If it blows up in your face, I'll be the first one to say, I I was for this in his prime. He had 15 touchdowns this year. So, um, no, really juicy headline to start the offseason. The NFL is king. I I still can't even switch to the NBA yet fully because January in the NFL is like one of the best months. Yeah, it's a player coach movement season. Things are, you know, some rumor mill, all that chatter starting up. And and I totally agree with you. I think the Niners would be foolish not to pursue this. You look at what they need to do to, to be competitive with Seattle and, and Los Angeles long term. Uh, they really need to make some splashy moves and, and obviously build the team the right way and not just be, you know, stupid about it. But this is a, a passing league. You have a bright offensive mind with Kyle Shannon. If you can make it work, of course. But, I mean, let's be real. The Steelers, they're just drama. Like, they're, they're all sorts of all over the place this year. And this is just the latest of, of things blowing up. They'll smooth it out. They'll figure it out. Um, they're too good of a team to, to walk away from where they're at. They have a championship window. They're not going to blow it all up. So, fun for Twitter. Fun for social media engagements. But, like, you know, the real thing is for the Niners to make some phone calls. If, if anyone's a sleeper that I just would love to see, I'm going to throw out a name that no one's talking about. How great would it be to see Mike Evans in a Niner uniform? Mike Evans gets down the field. He's big, uh, moves the chains, physical, red zone, all those things. Um, he's the guy that no one's really talked about yet. If Again, like I throw out names like Chandler Chandler Jones for the, the Cardinals would be my pass rusher trade I'd make. Mike Evans, that's, that's like a, a sleeper move that I would love to see happen. Yeah, I... I don't know why people are shopping really good wide receivers unless they're skipping practices and, you know, yelling at your quarterback. I, I don't see the Buccaneers doing it, but I mean, you're right. The 49ers are in a position to place out some feelers. 
they messed up. Yeah, well, I mean, they messed up the 2017 draft class because so they put themselves behind the eight ball. They know they need seven, eight, nine, ten wins next year. It can't be all Kyle use checks and fourth round picks. You've, you've got three stars on the team right now: Kittle, DeForest Buckner, Richard Sherman. There's got to be some star acquisition this offseason, even if it's one or two. Like you've got to get somebody who you can count on to make plays to win football games. Firepower. It's what the Rams did with uh, with Peters and Talib and Sue. Uh, and Brandon Cooks, like they loaded up big time and, and look at where they are now, two seed and all that. So Niners have their work cut out and, and this Antonio Brown story is fascinating. It's great for what we're doing, but yeah, how realistic it is with him is, is not likely. Um, what is realistic, how about this for a segue, is, is Greg Papa uh, taking over for Ted Robinson in the booth. Now, this might not be the biggest on-field story, but for guys like us in the media world and worked with uh, Ted Robinson and different things like that. Like it's a pretty big uh, change for that to happen, and it's unfortunate because Ted Robinson was a classy guy. Tennis, the Olympics, college football. Did the Giants when I was growing up in the Bay Area. Um, you hate to see someone get sort of moved aside. How this has happened, and Greg Papa deserves to be with the Raiders. Like no doubt, he was the voice of the Raiders. So. A little bit of a, an odd thing that in two years, a year, half a year from now, we'll you know we'll smooth it out. We'll, we won't remember it as much. But you know, you kind of feel bad for a guy. I worked with Ted. He was always gracious, uh, gave me advice, was always really just friendly and and really respect the guy. So I you know I I, I feel bad. It's just kind of a shitty situation. I want to preface this by saying I respect Ted and Greg Papa a lot. I also want to say it's almost 2020 and the radio broadcast really doesn't matter anymore because if you're listening to it, you don't care enough about the NFL to plan your Sunday to watch the game. You're uh, you know, a truck driver or you, know, you don't care enough. So, I mean, I think it's, a, it's a, not a prestigious position anymore, but it's more of like Jed saying – you know, like it's it's a good move by the Niners. Greg Papa is a great upgrade, but at the end of the day, besides being spliced into some NFL films highlights, I just don't think people are consuming the radio broadcast because the NFL is a visual sport. So I mean, it's a, it's a good move. I got to be honest, Ted Robinson, it, it, he was it was time it was time to move him on, uh, and they're now going to reassign him to a role in the organization. I think the one thing you didn't mention here is Bob Fitzgerald, I had always heard, wanted this job really badly because the Warriors' schedule is just so hectic. But they're in the middle of this amazing run where he's got to stick it out with them. I know Bob Fitz and Jed are really tight. So, And then Bob Fitz and, and Greg Papa are essentially rivals. So there's a little bit of that dynamic at, at play, too. To be honest, I don't care about the radio wars. I'm all about podcasting. So, But mm. congrats to Papa. Congrats to Niners fans who listen to the radio broadcast because they definitely got an upgrade. Shout out to BlueWires.Pods.com. Uh, <laughs> shout out. You know, sponsor the pod, unofficial official, uh, podcast sponsor. Um, yeah, that's a great point. I think it's more interesting for us. It's kind of like people we know in some moving chairs there. But I wasn't a Raiders fan, but I always loved when I was driving and I would put on Greg Papa to listen to him. Like He is really interesting and entertaining as a radio voice. Uh, what they're able to do with him, uh, you know, through their team media, things like that. Interesting to see how they uh, how they balance all that because now you have three talking heads to to pair and put out there. So um, yeah, that's an unfortunate part of the business. It's like not for long, and things can happen, and one person gets shuffled around, and all of a sudden you get a free agent, you get Greg Papa, and it's it sucks because I knew, like, I heard rumors uh, that they were having dinner, they were recording him, they were having these sort of conversations, and to hear it play out immediately. Like day after the season, it's like, man, that's cold. You like, you knew 
uh, they're plotting. So too bad, but oh yeah, yeah. Like Ronnie Lodge, you know, switched from Niners to Raiders, and like it happens. Time moves on, people move on, and you know, um, I. I got to give Greg Papa a shout out because he's with my boy Bonte Hill as well. Ninety-five-seven. That would be the big thing to watch here: is do the Niners now have leverage on KMBR to move? KMBR's ratings have been down the last three months. Um, I know there's heat on Jeremiah Crow there for sure. They haven't made really any lineup upgrades. Kevin France, I and mean, we can get into this. I would love to talk Bay Area media all day, but let's let's talk Niners. Let's, let's get to what happened in 2018. Yeah, yeah. So. Who who is staying uh, is is Robert Sala who got the uh, you know the endorsement from Kyle Shanahan. Defense had two interceptions all season. Uh, you didn't see a lot of great moments in the let's say the first three quarters. Looking at it, they finished two and two to end the year. There was some progress. They they beat some you know Seattle and Denver at home. Those were some good wins. They looked fairly com- competent against the Bears at home, which was a good sign. But yeah, Sala gets the the nod and gets to stay. Do you? I'm not going to say, do you think that works or do you agree with that? Because obviously, what, what better option do they have at this point? But, are, I mean, are we, how are we going to look back on Robert Sala and what he's been doing for this franchise so far? I'm going to be honest about this, and I don't want people to get pissed. If Robert Sala, this was in a different market like New York or Philly, where the reporters ask really hard questions and are like really stepping on next, he might have been fired. There might have been that much pressure. But because the situation is out here with Mayoko and Barrows being the reporters that they are. They're very fair and they understood and recognized that this team didn't have the personnel and that the rebuild essentially meant the rebuild was going to be more on defense than offense because remember Jim O'Neill and how bad of a mess it was and they missed on draft picks too. So I don't think they were held accountable for their missed draft picks and, and Solomon Thomas and Nicola Witherspoon made no impact this year when a, Teams are able to throw 35 touchdowns and two interceptions. There should have been harder questions. There should have been more pressure for him. At the end of the day, they, they rebounded nicely in December. And um, they, getting wins over Denver and Seattle back-to-back saved Robert Sala's job. If there were some blowout losses there and the defense was bad, they might have had to make a change. But at the end of the day, because Jimmy G was um, out, I think they would have scored more points per game. They're bad, but they're not terrible. They've got to get turnovers. They counted too much on Tart and and Solomon Thomas and Witherspoon. Some of their evaluations still on defense are incorrect. So I guess they're not they're they're saying Solomon messed up, but we did too. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan did not give him every tool he needed. Yeah, you you can't help but notice like the inexperience of a, a first year coordinator, someone who's taken that step. His first comments as a defense coordinator was this all gas, no breaks. And we're going to like hit lay people out and we're going to do all this. We're going to do all that. I keep going back to just, I just tweeted like Vic Fangio should be an NFL head coach. Cause I just think of like how rock solid he is in terms of like just reading the room, being aware of what you say and how, what, how people can gravitate and how they can sort of turn your words against you. And you just don't get that like stern leadership from Robert Sala. You see a lot of like, exuberance and joyfulness but you don't see that like that leadership and that sort of like you know tenured experience so i want to see that from him next year all eyes are going to be on him on this defense you know kyle shannon is stubborn you've talked about it a lot on your podcast the for him to throw one of his coordinators under the bus i think is a shot on him and it maybe uh reflects that he's not happy with the, the development of the team and surely he is but he's not going to make a fire because 
a replacement of a coordinator. That's a, that speaks volumes about how he's unhappy with things. So it makes sense that he's staying with the team. But, yeah, I think if that defense doesn't make a significant jump, especially with turnovers and some of the development of the young players, they're going to draft a defensive player too. Like, let's not – that's going to be a big opportunity for Sala to, to, to keep his job and to make, make an impact. Um, speaking of, like, the bad defensive plays, Dante Whitner, for me, was a, was a story of the year and how he roasted uh, Akilah Witherspoon. And now we talked a little bit about that on your podcast, um, the different beefs and the, and the battles that have been on social media this year. But to me, Dante Winter being back in the Bay Area, being on this like Bay Area sports uh, pregame show with all the flamboyant outfits, I really enjoyed following him on social media this year. I thought he was definitely a breath of fresh air in terms of like honesty and covering the team. And it's unfortunate Witherspoon did have some games where he played a little bit better at the end of the year. But that cornerback room is definitely uh, that the whole secondary needs an overhaul. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity there, and to hear Whitner keep it so honest uh, and, and being very thorough about it was was definitely one of my I guess key moments of the year. Dante, yeah, he needs his own podcast. He needs to be on a medium where people are going to listen to him even more. He's he's honest. I was tight with him in Cleveland when he came up there after the 49ers. We arrived at the same time. I rode trolleys in downtown Cleveland with him and got to know his background. Uh, just He's a bulldog. He really is. And He got hit by a car when he was really young. He couldn't walk for a couple of years. And was just so determined to make the NFL. I think he got drafted. He was like 19 or like really early 20s. One of the youngest NFL players ever. He, he is the man. Uh, yeah, Akilah Witherspoon, I knew all along. You really cannot go into next season uh, with, with him as your starter. There's got to be competition brought in. Um, I, I don't like tall, lanky corners because a lot of them are misses and a lot of them just aren't physical and don't have the tools. Like, you're really gambling in the draft. It looks like the Seahawks found another one of these guys. I believe his name is Trench Flowers. They have gotten the formula right. 49ers, outside of Richard Sherman, I don't like their secondary evaluations. I still think you go into next year with Colbert as your backup. Like, you're, you're hoping to get Earl Thomas, or if not, a second-round pick might have to be on a safety that you, you like at free safety because there was too many busts deep Teams came out and attacked the 49ers right away. Um, yeah, the, the secondary is the issue, but again, it's tied to the pass rush. It's tied to the edge rusher, which is obviously a huge storyline. Yeah, is Jimmy Ward under contract? I, I'm, I'm assuming he's done, right? Like, there's no way we see Jimmy Ward. Yeah, he's gone. He gone. Jimmy Ward, man. Yeah. What a, what a year. What a career. Um, yeah, the secondary was a mess. You saw Richard Sherman have some moments. Didn't really get challenged that much because he, he got the respect of NFL quarterbacks. They just... They didn't even want to see what the Achilles was like. They just knew pick on 23, pick on 20, throw throw away from Sherman. So uh, all things considered, though, he had a solid year. And to see him in that Seahawks game, the way that he you know celebrated in the locker room, the way that he uh, talked a lot of smack about Frank Clark or, or even Russell Wilson, that to me was probably the best win of the season. Now you could say, was it the Raiders game because of the Bay Area ties and, and the primetime aspect of it and the blowout, but... Uh, 10 wins, consecutive losses, I should say. The Seahawks just own the Niners just to get that win. I know like they didn't get the first pick. That probably cost them big time, but uh, that's a program-defining win. If you, You've been in a building, Kevin. You know like it means a lot to the young guys to know that they can beat like the division uh, heavyweights or you know a playoff team at that. No, I, I used to be on the other side of the coin. I used to be with you. That It's a program-defining win, and I just don't think it is, not without Jimmy Garoppolo not without anything on the line. 
the Seahawks were definitely a good team. I also thought the game was really sloppy and the field was like kind of a mess. And the Niners did play well and they, they finally finished. They finally won back to back games. I don't think it was a seminal moment. I think fans are so starved of wins in this fan base that they're looking to cling on to anything. And I've hyped up things too that maybe shouldn't have been hyped up. But I was at the time I was against the Seattle win. John Middlecoff and I are kind of like on this side of the fence here where we don't celebrate things like that. Um, when it's a Jimmy G and it looks like your franchise quarterback and he's torching the team going to the AFC championship game, I am celebrating that. I am saying that looks more like what the 49ers are going to be in the future. This with Nick Mullins and eh, like, I don't think in February they're going to like pull up tape of that game and be like 49ers 2019. We are on the come up. You know what I mean? Like, no. I just, you know, like it's, it's, it's fans and Twitter and people finally really happy and I'm not emotionally tied to the rivalry, so I think I have a better view of it. Uh, everyone else is very emotionally tied to trying to beat the Seahawks, so um, I, I'm happy for everyone else. But I know I don't think it's that seminal moment. Uh, it was, you know, it was really bizarre to see Sherman of all people come to the Niners, and then the way he was—he was their celebrity player this year. Like every podium, every walking into the stadium, you know. Your, every featured social media clip from the team was was Richard Sherman. He was their quarterback this year, uh, in terms of just being like the famous person that you could try to get social, you know, retweets and engagement. So um, I think he had a pretty solid year. I, I don't think he, he didn't reach the the Pro Bowl. He didn't get the incentives that he wanted. Um, hopefully, you know, no setbacks with the leg, and he can have a full off season and and hopefully get back to even better shape because you saw. Navarro Bowman's first year back from the Achilles wasn't that great. Michael Crabtree, same thing. Um, some of the local guys we had here, they, they did better the second year after that Achilles. That's a pretty tough thing to come back from. So hopefully Sherman uh, can still find the final of youth at this point. Um, so the Raiders game. The Raiders game was one to me that felt like maybe game game one or game two, best the best story of the season, or just that best feel-good moment because Nick Mullins came out of nowhere, and I feel like that was like, the game where it's like it felt good to be a Niner fan for for a hot minute, maybe not like a you know a full day, but for a second it felt good to be a Niner fan again. Definitely, when I heard Nick Mullins was starting that game, and when I heard they were cutting Tom Savage all the time, I was like, okay, Kyle is actually embracing the tank. He might face difficult questions. Like you're playing a third string quarterback. I expected Nick Mullins would look worse than CJ Beathard. I guess Kyle all of a sudden. He saw it in Nick Mullins in practice and was like, you know what, we have to do this. I bet CJ could have played in that game. They could have come up with a game plan, but Kyle was like, let's do it. And Nick Mullins is going to get Rich Scangarello a job. His name's tough to say. Um, He's a decent quarterback. We'll see if it can carry over season by season. But this, this year, his numbers are better than Josh Rosen's. They're better than Sam Darnold's, essentially. He came in and made this season watchable. I commend Nick Mullins when he choked up with Aaron Andrews. I thought that was one of the best moments of the year. You just think of like times when you're a sports writer or whatever your dream is coming true. Like That was really it for him to start on Thursday Night Football and kick the Raiders' ass and, and just say, hey, I'm definitely starting again next week. So, um, Yeah, that, that was to me the top moment of the season, which is pathetic because you beat the Raiders at that top moment of the season, but that that's that's what it was, man. That, That's... that was 2018. I think Barrow said it best. It's like, it was like watching a bad movie and knowing the ending 25 
minutes in and just sitting there and being like, when is this thing going to be over? Yeah, we're going to foreshadow and we're going to talk a little bit about that moment when we knew the season was over. That That's up there on the list. But yeah, Mullins to me, I think is like that feel good, uh, one of the best stories of the team where came out of nowhere and now you know you have a solid backup quarterback. You need two quarterbacks uh, to win. I don't think they'll trade him. Like I don't think that makes a lot of sense unless you're blown away by some crazy offer. But you hear national media outlets or or like Bill Simmons, people are really high on Nick Mullins. They're like, I like this Mullins kid. And and even people like football fans from other teams that I've talked to are like, yeah, I would trade a mid-round pick for Nick Mullins. Like, why not? Like, teams are sick of their quarterbacks. They're always looking for the young upstart quarterback. So I don't I don't know if they'll get any offers for Mullins, but I think at worst, you know you have two good quarterbacks, a guy who can beat the Seahawks at home. Like, I think that's a great thing for for this team. So yeah, it sucks that you have to hang your hat on a backup quarterback, but we'll take, we'll take the wins we can get here. Right. Like that's all, that's all you can ask for. No, definitely. And it also showed when we haven't brought this up, Kyle is a damn good play caller because Nick Bones is a quick decision maker, but the receivers were open quite a bit. I mean, Kendrick Bourne led them in receiving George Kittle was obviously the number one target. It's crazy to see Kyle build an offense around a tight end. You've seen him utilize tight ends in all different ways throughout his years. Jordan Reed was initially drafted by Kyle Shanahan in, in D.C. too. So for him to find Kittle in the fifth round, the story of the team really this year, if you want to look positively, is all the undrafted and late guys are still, their stock is soaring through the roof. Breida, Kittle, Nick Mullins are better than their early round picks, which is very puzzling. And who is finding those guys? maybe they should be the ones also making the decisions, like having a better input. Like the, the lower level scouts who are finding these guys should also be doing high level first round player evaluations and their opinions should be taken seriously. I wonder, I wonder if it's my guy, Ethan Waugh. He was there. He was a bulky guy. He was there the entire time. He's like, he's a director of college scouting now. Got a nice little title, but um, Hey man, if it's Ethan Waugh, you know, he, he's been with the team, been in the league for a long time. Like, Really got to know him. He's a really smart football mind. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's you know one of those holdovers because the Trent Baalke experiment didn't go great, but he definitely had a, a McLuhan. He worked with McLuhan. Like those guys definitely had a certain way of watching football. So who knows? They're all like the Ted Thompson disciples, and the there's a whole you know yeah. coaching tree or route route tree of uh, of GMs. But uh, yeah, Kittle, Brita, those are all great wins for the draft room. But you know, Ruben Foster is definitely not one and. Just to see what happened today where the, the second domestic violence charges were dropped. Looks like, you know, he might still get suspended. He's on the commissioner's exempt list. Um, Going to have to pick up the pieces there in D.C., but you can't help but hide, uh, or, you know, you can't hide the fact that that was a massive cloud over this team going into the season, throughout the season, his play suffered, and then, of course, having to cut bait with the first-round pick. Uh, in your first draft as John Lynch, it's just a huge piece of humble pie that they all have to, to you know, acknowledge that they made a huge massive mistake yeah and i put the l on john lynch because everyone knew this guy could play on the field it had to have been john lynch who said i can build a support system for this guy i've been around warren Sapp. i've been around guys who had character issues coming into the league like john lynch his main job is to make sure everyone is good like his kind of evaluations matter for sure his relationship with the coaching staff matters his relationship with jed matters but his main job is to really be a life raft for anyone. Like he's got to be there for people. That is his skill set. That's why he was brought here. He's the leader of this football team. Kyle is the, is the leader of the X's and O's. 
John Lynch is you to make sure Ruben Foster doesn't screw up. The L is on him. Could they have known that he was going to get involved with this female? Is it really their fault? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They took the risk. Now, it wasn't their top three pick. but So if their top three pick was Jamal Adams or someone producing, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But the fact that Solomon Thomas had one sack this year, we all feel bad criticizing him. Rest in peace, his sister. It's really a great thing he's doing with suicide prevention. Great story written by Eric Branch. But his production is it's maddening because you've wasted really some high assets here early in your rebuild. And now that's why you have to start thinking about trading for Antonio Brown. Uh, You have to start doing more drastic types of things because you don't have the young impact players. You have Kittle, you have Brita, and you have role players. Mostly Fred Warner, 124 tackles. You love that. Still not ready to call him a star yet. You've got to get more star power in here. And, You've blown some of those assets. I love McGlinchey. I love the 2018 class. But again, we've got to see people back-to-back years because a lot of these guys have sophomore slumps. You can't know yet. You know McGlinchey's going to be good. You can project Pettis being good, but you really don't know for sure. There's there's really like two trains of thoughts of how to build a team right now in today's NFL. It's you have this franchise, you know, difference maker at quarterback, and you're all your money's going to him or one or two players. You're putting like 15 million of your salary cap in two guys. And then you have to hit on all your draft picks. You have to be the Saints. You know, you have to be uh, the Rams or, or the Chiefs. Like, you have to hit on all these top picks. You can't just waste picks. You're spending all this money on Garoppolo. Um, it's a nice way to really get cheap, I don't say cheap labor, but that's really the way it is. Um, the Seahawks were able to do that. Russell Wilson, they had a cheap quarterback. They hit on those draft picks. It's how you incrementally build your team so much faster is by having no wasted draft picks. Um, and the fact that they wasted two to start this regime is just, it's it's mind-blowing. But yeah, um, I guess what makes it feel better is that you have Kittle in the fifth round. Let's just say Kittle was that first-round pick and Reuben Foster was the fifth-round pick. Would you feel better about it? Does that make you sleep better at night? I don't know. Like, George Kittle, to me, <laughs> the fact that he had the best season in NFL history uh, receiving yards is crazy. Think about all the tight ends that played, like Shannon Sharp, uh, Jer- uh, you know, George, I can't even think, Jer- uh, Jeremy Shockey was one of my favorites. Um, Kellen Winslow, whoever, all these like modern day receivers, uh, Jimmy Graham, and he had better better numbers than them in a single season with backup quarterbacks and all that. So George Kittle just coming out and, and just sort of putting his name out there, um, I think is a really great thing. And if he's a fifth round pick, I guess it evens out. Like you busted in the first, you get a fifth, maybe what a 2.5 is about. You know, it sucks that you, you, you didn't get those first round picks, but Kittle makes it a little bit sweeter, maybe somewhat tolerable for John Lynch to look at the draft room and say, you know what, we're not completely worthless in here. A hundred percent, because I believe at a fifth round pick that he's a restricted free agent. I want to say after four years. So, I mean, they're going to have control over George Kittle here. He's going to earn a massive contract at some point too. Now you're going to be paying him. You're going to be paying DeForest Buckner. You're talking about team construction here. Jimmy Garoppolo received $37 million against the cap this year. Um, it, it's going to be a similar figure through much of his contract. You know, a year from now, two years from now, that cap room is going to go. So you're, you are going to have to make the correct moves here. But if you marry yourself to Antonio Brown and it blows up, and then all of a sudden you have, you know, $6 million cap room, they, there's scenarios here where they make some decisions that are wrong in off-season three, and they could be getting fired in, in the middle of season five or something. It's Things are moving quickly. Like, I can't believe it's already been two seasons with these two. I think fans, for the most part, 
are understanding and not frustrated, but there's 25 to 30 percent starting to questioning what's going on. And I, I think we can always question some of the roster decisions. They're lucky that McGlinchey and Pettis played well. If they didn't, they would be under serious heat, and I really think we'd have to add someone to the front office. The, yeah, I, Kittle. Okay, you get a fifth round pick who is a Pro Bowler. That's that's a nice win for the draft room. That's something that they can build on. They can sort of sell or talk about as they're having their meetings and get ready for the Senior Bowl and all that. But uh, I, I guess it's a really interesting time in Kittle's career. Like you're now, he's like a household name, like for football fans. He's not going to walk down the street and everybody will know who he is. But if you're a football fan, you know, red carpet appearances, endorsements, or whatever that is, how you handle that fame is always a really interesting time for a football player. I remember Colin Kaepernick making it to the Super Bowl and just seeing, like, how he shifted his persona, his how he handled himself, like, how he, you know, interacted with people. It totally changed. Um, not to say Kittle's not that type of person. Like, he's pretty down-to-earth. But, hey, man, like, he's he's going to be a big deal when he's around this summer how does he continue to, to stay focused and to his fundamentals of working out and, and just being a football guy? Like that's something I'm curious to see. Um, but I'm glad he's tweeting at Antonio Brown. It makes, you know, like I said, I think it's just entertaining. It's good for us and it's good fodder. So hopefully he keeps that personality, but that work ethic doesn't go away. That's, that's what I'm hopeful for. Um, hey, the, the, the story that really rocked the boat that made the year was, uh, was an innocent scramble. I think it was in the third quarter. Uh, week week three in Kansas City, and it's with Jimmy Garoppolo trying to get some extra yards. He uh, buckles his knee, and the season ends. Like, there's no other way to put it, but that was just like the worst of all things that could ever happen to this team. The only saving grace is that it happened early in the year, so like he's coming back early. I guess that's like the only positive you can glean from it. But yeah, devastating, soul crushing, like. We all were like, what is the point of the season anymore? We all made it through to the end. But um, I don't think any other NFL team had their quarterback out for the season this year, which is a rarity because mm-hmm. it normally happens a couple of times. You had Carson Wentz at the end of the year get put on IR, but Jimmy G was the only person like pre-November put on the IR at QB. And it just it, it derails your season. The good thing is like Nick Mullins was found out of it, but um, I, I, I guess coming back and, and and like how will he be is there going to be rust there's going to be some jimmy g storylines um you know he but not chiefs game they were coming back and we look at the vikings game he did make some really nice throws george kittle had that huge drop actually in that game we were all making fun of george kittle he yeah. ended up having the last laugh there uh, uh you know jimmy g did have that interception at the lions game it was a pick six that was overturned by a you know suspect holding call he had an up and down start to the season. I think he would have settled into his groove. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I think we talked about this before. We haven't heard anything about like him and the playbook and like you know, I guess him and Jarek McKinnon have been rehabbing together a lot. But I mean, he is this football team. He is going to take it as far as it's going to go. They're they're a decent football team. They're going to add a star or two more. But if he plays well, they can make the playoffs. If he struggles, they're going to go six and ten. Yeah, big offseason for him. Um, just to see, like, you know, how, what is he, is he a hermit? Like, his last offseason, he was doing the TMZ stuff. He was, <laughs> he was out there. And uh, I just want, you know, I want to, I want to see what he's up to. So I'm curious, like, what, how, how vocal he'll be, or will he be part of OTAs? Will he be running mini camp? Things like that. Like, that's to me uh, is the focus for him. 
the, the pass of the pass. And the thing you got to commend is that this team really was professional. And I guess that's kind of like a, a weak way of saying like, all right, they didn't wave the white flag like the Raiders or, or some of these other teams. Like they kept fighting and um, they got they got the benefit of it. Finished in the year two and two in the last quarter of the season when it's December football, when other teams are, are not into it and some teams are playing for the playoffs. Like that's at least something that they can hang their hat on as a program. But uh, the fact that their their tire blew out in the first week of this or third week of the season is just uh, I don't know how you go to work every single day with a smile on your face. And I commend a lot of them, like the Joe Staley's of the world, for for keeping that team together. Yeah, and Kyle too. I mean, I think Kyle sets a good mood in there. Kyle could have gone sour, and maybe that's Kyle's issue too. He doesn't get too hard on people, so that's why there's a lot of turnovers and maybe the accountability is a little bit lower, but end of the day it is football like they don't want it to be torture it will never be like bill belichick under kyle so yeah no i mean and and joe staley that's why i think sparrows calls him the mood ring of of the team and he's happy right now with what kyle's trying to build you can see the right steps being taken yes they've got knocked down a couple times in the draft every, every team misses in the draft they, they happen to miss some very important early picks but um no i'm I don't hate talking about this team all the time, despite them being four and 12. Like it was still <laughs> not the worst season ever. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, but my all time high listens are that December and Jimmy G they really are. I mean, I'm, I'm close to getting those again, but it's, that's when the fervor and the excitement and people were literally obsessed with this team. And I hope it's like that way next season. I think it could, take a month or two we'll see what the schedule is we'll see what happens with the offseason i don't expect jimmy g walking in september to light the world on fire yeah i like you that you said that kyle i think he deserves a lot of credit i watched like a part of not the whole thing but a part portion of the the end of the season press conference and you know i guess i've been being in so many of those meetings or, or press briefings that you can just like i care about like different things not so much about what they say but maybe body language or demeanor and you always saw early on just Kyle uh, just sort of defer to John Lynch and just sort of look like he was like the, the little stepbrother or like younger brother just letting his big brother do all the talking. But if you just watch that back and just see the way Kyle was like assured of himself and confident and sort of like his body language, like he was very present and interested in, in that, uh, you know, speaking his views on the team. That's just, to me, I'm just maybe making a conclusion here that I'm taking a little bit of a leap, but... I think it speaks to just him being more comfortable in his own shoes, commanding that room, being at the podium, being in front of the team. Uh, I think he's just much more, you know, better, more versed at doing that in that moment. I could kind of see him grow uh, as a more comfortable spokesman, if you will, of the team. And I think that all bodes well for like going into next year. He can he can rally this room now. He needs better players, but uh, I think that really speaks well uh, that he has the command. And you saw him grow in that way, too. Yeah, Kyle's an OG. He really knows how to operate himself. He knows everything he says matters. He doesn't just utter sentences just to hear himself speak. He's very measured. He's smart as shit. Um, he's always thinking about winning. He's obsessed with winning. He saw his dad win Super Bowls when he was like a teenager, and he became obsessed with just his dad's legacy and reputation. And he hates that Dan Snyder kind of knocked his dad down a peg Mike Shannon is not going to be a Hall of Famer now because of how that ended and Kyle wants to you know reach that level he wants to be a Hall of Fame coach he wants to be in the 49ers a long time and 
it's going to be dependent on Jimmy Garoppolo. It's going to be dependent on Robert Sala and the defense figuring it out. I, I know that he's going to get receivers open. I know that the running game is going to be good every week. You know certain things when Kyle Shanahan's your head coach that are going to be good. Now there's a couple other pieces they have to get right, but I, I do see a scenario where this team is competing with the Rams every year. Um, not this year, but year four. I think you can go in thinking they can challenge for the division this year. Let's let's spin it forward to the offseason. So now we're we're kind of in no man's land. We're watching. We're getting ready for the playoffs, the Senior Bowl, the draft, things like that. So um, even if Kyle, like say Kyle was a free agent right now, or the Niners were looking for a coach, Kyle Shanahan would be the best option of any of these coaches right now. Like it's a pretty washed group of of retread coaches and unimaginative names that are coming out. I'm not too f- pumped about like the coaching searches that are happening right now. I kind of feel bad for some of these teams. Like, ooh, you got Adam Gase. Like, he seems like a curmudgeon, super miserable. Like, or Mike McCarthy couldn't win with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, as uh, as Stephen A. ranted yeah. famously today. So, I guess you gotta feel good that you got the offense, you got the coach, you got everything position. And, and now the Niners are in this this spot at number two. They're coaching the Senior Bowl, which to me is, I guess, bittersweet. Like, you don't really want to be there, but if you're in a rebuild mode, like it's a it's a it's an advantage. So. Um, what are your thoughts on on that? Just like that's the next big thing for this team is taking the whole operation to Mobile. Uh, it's it's an interesting football event. Like it's kind of like a little bit of a what do you want to call it? Like a conference Comic Con type thing. It's an industry event. So there'll, there'll be a lot of opportunities then for them to work with Josh Allen to work with some of these players. And they got not a ton of draft picks this year, but they got to make them all count. Yeah, I know. It's a big deal. I want to go back to the coaching search you talked about because I do find it interesting as well. Normally every year there's like a couple of hot candidates and it's like juicy. And this year it feels like no one's like desperate to even hire anyone, but you're like Adam Gase, I guess is the top candidate. And he was going seven and nine every year in Miami and he didn't have a lot to work with there, but man, yeah, it's tough. Like I would hire Cliff Kingsbury or something, you know what I mean? I would hire a young out of, left field offensive line instead of a retread. I would hire Todd Monken, the Buccaneers offensive coordinator this year. They led in every passing category. If I was Cleveland, I would promote Freddie Kitchens as the head coach. I think it's that important to secure your offensive play caller, and that's the way the league is trending right now. You'll always have good defensive teams like the Bears this year. You have the Jaguars last year. At the end of the day, it's too hard to sustain a really good defense over time. Everyone needs fat contracts. You saw the Broncos, they've kind of fell apart too. I don't think in today's modern NFL, building through defense is very smart. You have to have a defense that gets turnovers. You have to have that. But I think it's fascinating you brought up the coaching search. In terms of Mobile, I think it's embarrassing that they're there, headed into year three um, there with John Gruden. But, (laughs) you know, I didn't didn't tweet that because I didn't want to rub it in their faces. Like they, they, you're right. They don't want to be there. A lot of the scouts would have been there. I think some of the coaches would have been there anyway. They might as well see what Josh Allen looks like in the classroom around teammates. They're going to be able to watch him like a hawk. I'm sure he's going to be trying hard too, but he wants to go number two for all. He wants to get as much money as possible. He wants to live in California. So, um, no, it's yeah, it, it's good. The, the 49ers have a offensive play caller. It'll be interesting with Mike Mayock down there too and, and John Lynch. Yeah. Too it's it's like those are the two GMs in town now, former broadcasters, one with a heavy draft background, one with just a you know, a, a playing background. So yeah, I mean, it'll give 49ers fans something to watch. There'll be more content for us. I'm sure there'll be something that comes out of it. Why not? 
Screw it. Yeah, Mike Mayock going from the set to like the all black tracksuit with uh, with Gruden <laughs> on the field. Like, yeah, that'll be something. All the media folks will, will crowd him and you know want to get thirty seconds with him, and he can just big dog him. He can you know big league him. Um, I'm in the league now. Like, we don't do media. Talk to our PR guy. Like, he, I, I can't wait for for uh, for that. But yeah, uh, I, you know, the Senior Bowl to me is like, I guess it's interesting because the player that they're they're looking at is gonna be there. Like, they can literally watch him in every drill, every meeting room, and get a feel for if Allen's their guy. I think at this point is like. You got to do the off the field stuff because on the field, the measurables, the tape, like the three sacks in the bowl game looked awesome. You just got to wonder, like, were there, are there any skeletons in the closet, for lack of a better term? Like, is this guy cookie cutter clean? Because that's a big investment, um, and you don't want to have that blow up in your face, especially with just the position of need that it is. Like this, if they don't pick him at two or get Bosa at two, um, I, I don't love like the way the draft sets up for them. It's just kind of a weird group of defensive linemen, but they've only drafted a bunch of interior defensive linemen. Um, uh, so yeah, one of those two guys—they really have. To, hopefully, they—they Allen fits the need and they can make that work. But if if he's not the guy, I'm just confused on where they go. Like, how, who are they going to pick at two? Yeah, it's early in the process. We'll have to see it play out. But I agree, it's, it's so random. The one year they're again picking high, it's a bunch of D linemen are the number one prospects. There's no like amazing wide receiver or no quarterback that they can even dangle to try and trade down. Like it's, it's really setting up for Josh Allen. It would be shocking. We'll see though. I mean, he could blow up at the combine, he could, you know, have a diluted drug test. Who knows? There's, there's a long way to go for the draft, but I agree. It's setting up for Josh Allen. Yeah. He could pull in a Ruben Foster, go a wall on the, uh, with the the, 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 the rehab testing or whatever they're, Whatever uh, medical evaluation they do, you never know. Uh, a lot has to play out. Why don't they want to be on hard knocks? I, I know the answer why, but I think this is just good fodder to end this 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 conversation. They do this brick by brick show, right? They they are very transparent. John Lynch is super media trained. He doesn't want to fire people on TV. I get it. It sucks, but like, let's see the Niners on hard knocks. I think we're ready for it. Like, why not? Like, this is a an interesting team. Um, they're a national brand, an international, you know, sports franchise that are very popular. This is great for their business. Like, why wouldn't they want to just say, "Hand up, let's be on Hard Knocks. We'll, we'll, we'll just take one for the team and and make the best of it." A couple of things is Kyle knows it makes the players' heads really big, and they feed into it, and it's a distraction for the players because um, they they want to be. Stars like your Kendrick Bournes and a lot of people who post on IG all the time. He would be worried what it would do for their mindset heading into the season. I totally understand that. I don't think any team besides the Jets has made the playoffs this decade when they've been on hard knocks. Mm. The Browns came close this year, but um, no. And the the other reason is Kyle. We all think they're transparent with the media. They're selectively transparent. They don't want to censor themselves while they're actually coaching because you know what I mean? Like Kyle does curse a lot and say cool stuff and he doesn't want all of that out there. I I don't know why he's, he's not a a public person. He's, you know, he's never going to be the coach with a Twitter handle. Like he he does his own thing. Like he he doesn't want to create attention. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't want to create attention for himself. Being on hard rocks is too new school for him. You're right. You know, he's, he's got that old school, like he learned from his dad. I really want them to be on there. I haven't been tweeting about it because it's just, I, I know they don't. They, they, 
I don't think they can pay the league, but they would do favors. They, they would do Roger Goodell some type of favor to not be on this. And I think Kyle will, will not go in Jed's office for much. I guarantee Kyle would go in Jed's office and be like, we've got to fight this. We can't do this. Yeah, I'm curious to know, like, what, that, what, are the, what are the inner workings of how they end up getting a team to do it? Like, is there, I would just be love to be a fly on the wall or BCC'd on that email thread. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would just be hilarious to find out just the pettiness or just the, the gamesmanship or whatever it takes to figure out, like, how do we not get on Hard Knocks? Because for us, it's awesome, especially if you've worked in a building or it's like, you're, you know, it's just, it's, it's really fascinating stuff. And I, I get that it hurts, like, the ego and the, the camaraderie and you're sort of giving company secrets and all that. But, hey, I'm hopeful. I would love – nothing would make me happier than to hear that the Niners are doing hard knocks. Now, is that going to help them win games? Maybe not. But just the, the fascination that I have of, like, all things football, I think it's just – it's human interest. Can't, can't help it, but uh, I'm hopeful. We'll see. Um, who's winning the national title game? Bama or Clemson? What, what, what say you? This is a Levi Stadium game, so this is this is the last game at Levi's for the year. I saw that tickets were as low as they have been in like five or six years. I saw tickets for as low as like one hundred twenty-six dollars to the national championship game. Yeah, yeah, they kind of made a mistake. It's this is not a college football hotbed at all. Um, Levi's was smart for getting the bid, and I guess they bid and, and got it, and it's still a big TV market, so there'll be more local interest here. But I mean, it's a national game, so yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard to pick against Bama. I love Tua. I also love Clemson's quarterback. I can't think of his name right now. Trevor Lawrence, I believe yeah. it is. A long sunshine. Hair. A little sunshine. He, he could be a number one overall pick. You see those types of traits from him as a freshman. So um, I, I'm I'm interested to watch a quarterback duel for once. National championship games is normally not QB shootout. That's normally like Fiesta Bowl or something. Like these are two damn good quarterbacks and are both going to be up for the Heisman again next year too. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's a good game. I just have a hard time seeing Bama lose. They're just they're just ridiculous. And I I really do love Quentin Williams, uh, the D tackle. It's like it's too bad that if the Niners are at like three or four and they didn't they missed out on those top two guys. I think he's a he's a game wrecker. Like he's a stud. Uh, would love to see that guy's NFL career. I think you just no matter where he's getting picked, I feel like he's just gonna be a good good football player. Um, so he's someone definitely to watch. But Tua is. Two is pretty sweet, man. He's 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 a real fun player to watch. Uh, Lawrence is is getting there, but I think just that two has got another year on him. I think I think Bam will probably take it. Um, but hey, like that'll probably you know be a nice thing to have. And tickets are cheap, so if you want to go, check it out. If not, kick your feet up, throw on a podcast, and and you know watch the game. Bluewirepods.com, right? That's that's where to be. There's I'm sure no shortage of things that people can listen to if they don't want to go to the game. Especially Candlestick Chronicles with Chris Biederman, our new 49ers podcast. We, you gotta, you gotta have that one. We gotta promote that one. Uh, no, I love being on with you, Taylor. This was a great chat. I'm probably gonna post this as well to mine. So send me the file, bro. Will do. Well, hey man, uh, everybody, follow him on Twitter if you don't already. I'm sure you do, Mister. Which where's the underscore at? Is it after the Mister? Where's your Where's your the Twitter? Word. Where's the underscore? Mr. Underscore Kevin Jones? Why don't you go more, make more lists, dude, since you don't follow anyone. Just make some more lists so you can stalk people. Yeah. Follow, follow Kevin Jones on Twitter. Check out BlueWirePods.com. And uh, <laughs> subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff. And check out BlueWirePods.com. And uh, 
Happy 2019, man. Uh, keep keep crushing it. I'll enjoy all the stuff you're doing, and we'll talk again soon. All right, bro. Peace.